0: And welcome to Briton Messianic Synagogue's Tuesday night study. We're continuing our study on the book of Romans in context, and we're going to be looking at chapter, the end of chapter 5 and chapter 6 tonight uh, as we go on. But we want to begin with prayer. We always begin with prayer. And a, a few little announcements. One announcement coming up this Sunday is our um, Spanish Trail... Uh, farmers market and craft fair so come on by there'll be all kinds of products and goods and things up here uh, available and if you're a vendor we encourage you to contact uh, missy and she will hook you up with all the information on how to have a, a vendor table and participate in that we want everybody to come out and be part of that this saturday morning we'll have our regular shabbat service beginning with our coffee time at 8 o'clock and then at 9 o'clock is our foundations of messianic judaism class which is a open forum question and answer time and then our regular service at 10 o'clock so we invite you to be part of that uh tomorrow night at the drowsy poet on brent lane we'll have our Torah study that's at five o'clock so we invite everybody that can to come out and be with us get a good cup of coffee and dig into the Torah together. So those are upcoming things uh, right away. Uh, We want to be praying for our nation, as uh, most people know that uh, right now they're closing out the election in Georgia to determine who the senators are going to be from Georgia, and that will determine the control of the Senate. So we want to be praying for that. And then tomorrow... The electors will either be accepted or rejected in Congress tomorrow, and we want to pray for our nation during this time. Um, You know, none of us really know all the ins and outs of all this that went on. uh, But if you're like me, you just want truth to prevail. Whatever the truth is, that's what we want to see. We want God to raise up righteous people to serve people that are statesmen, people that care more about the people than themselves that are there to be a blessing to our nation, not just to, uh, to gain their own uh, money and notoriety. So please be praying for our nation. Please pray for all those on our prayer list that need a healing touch. Pray especially for those that are being uh, influenced or impacted by covid uh, we want to be praying especially for our schools that are going back into session. They went back today, many of them, and pray for our teachers and all that's going on with that. It's an unusual season that we're in. And uh, again, the, the, what's going on, the truth, what's not, what's, you know, all that. People are dealing in fear and promoting fear, and we just don't want to promote fear. We want to promote faith. We want to promote trust in God. We also want to promote wisdom. And in wisdom, we say that if you have symptoms of COVID, you should stay home. Uh, Just like if you had the flu, you should stay home. If you have chickenpox, you should stay home. If you have measles or mumps or any of that, you should stay home. Uh, It's not a matter of fear. It's a matter of common courtesy and common sense. Uh, And we just need to be aware of these things and make sure that Uh, that we're honoring each other by using wisdom when it comes to that. Wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, all of those kind of things. But don't run around in fear. This isn't something to fear. It's something to deal with, just like every other sickness. And we need to be aware of that. Um, So that's that. Um, I also want to encourage everybody, I said this on Shabbat, uh, if you listen to the message from Shabbat, Uh, Our government, in its infinite wisdom, which I hope you know I'm being facetious in saying so, has decided that they're going to send at least $600 to every adult that made under, I believe it's $75,000 last year, or higher if you're a married couple. Um, Many people, like myself, were not affected by COVID shutdown. My... The synagogue's been blessed. Everybody's been faithful. My paycheck didn't change. As a matter of fact, book sales and other things, I've had a better year this year than last year. So I don't need stimulus money because I didn't suffer. And there's many other people like that. There are however many people that have suffered. Their businesses were shut down for a period of time. People working in stores or restaurants or other businesses that were shut down, and so what my wife and I decided to do is we're taking our stimulus money because we can't send it back to the government. Now we could send it back to the government, but we don't trust the government to make wise decisions with the money. So what we're doing is doing what the government should have done, is that we're going directly to people that need a little help because they were uh, affected by the shutdown, and we're just giving the money to them. So far. Um, Not only Pammy and myself, but some others from our community have sent some money in. And so far we were at uh, Panera Bread and we gave $600 to one person at Panera Bread the other day. Today we were at uh, Longhorn. We talked to a wonderful, nice uh, mom who was their single mother who was affected. We gave her $600. Today we have... uh, five more people that we're going to give $600 a piece to as we come across them. We're simply asking people, were you affected by COVID? If they were, we're just giving them the money. Now, we we could have divided the money up and said, we're going to give $25 to one or $100 to one. But the reality is, if we just gave somebody $100, that's not really enough to impact Their lives, but a $600 that's a car payment, that's a big part of your rent, that's maybe a healthcare payment or something like that. And we want to be impacting, not just uh, trickling. So we want to encourage you if you're listening to this and you're like me uh, and you weren't impacted by uh, the COVID shutdowns, I want to encourage you to take the money that you get and give it to someone who was impacted from it. Now, if you're listening to this and you're one of those impacted people and you get that $600, keep it. Spend it on yourself. That's what the purpose of this stimulus was, was to make up for lost income by people. It wasn't just to give to everybody. And I think it was ridiculous of our government to just give it to everybody. But thankfully, there's people like myself that are and my wife who decided we're going to do what the government didn't do use wisdom, and we're going to bless people. So uh, over the next few days, we'll be giving out $600 to at least five more people, uh, and that will help with that. And I hope this becomes a movement, uh, not that we would get any notoriety, but that common sense would rule the day and that people would, uh, would give to help people around them, which is how things should be. The, the community should help those in need in the community, uh, if the government gets involved, it always costs more and accomplishes less. Uh, so we want to uh, to try to use wisdom in doing that. So Avino Malkano, our Father King, we thank you so much for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have been touching and healing and blessing and providing and meeting needs in amazing ways. We thank you for those that... Uh, have been healed and have been restored we're praying for those that are fighting COVID and fighting other sicknesses and in the hospital and struggling uh, with medical issues and we just place them before you knowing that you are the Lord who heals us and we depend on you to do just that father we pray for our nation we pray for our government we pray for common sense and uh, compassion and mercy to take place. We pray that truth would prevail, uh, that that which was done in darkness would come to light, and that it would be open and transparent for all to see. Father, we pray for uh, our nation financially, as so many people are struggling and doing without. We ask that you'll give compassion to people uh, so that they will reach out and help those around them. And we ask all this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Okay, so... We're continuing last week. We were in Romans 5, so we always kind of jump back one slide so we can get a running start at what we're doing. So Romans five nineteen says, For just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, many will be set right forever. Okay? So, and this is very important that we understand this concept that... Through the sin of Adam and Eve, through the sin of Adam, uh, sin came into the world. Uh, the stain of sin came. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were born in sin, shape in iniquity. We all have a sin nature that we're born with. But likewise, through the obedience of one man, Yeshua, God robed in flesh, dwelling among us, living dying, and resurrecting, many will be set right forever. Now notice the word many. Many were made sinners, many were set right forever. This is talking about us and saying that, that all were made sinners, but then there's righteousness that comes forth. In other words, we have to understand that, for instance, Abraham was found righteous because of what Yeshua did. Even though Yeshua wasn't here yet, in Abraham's reality, eternity, where God is, is outside of time and space. So Abraham was found righteous because of what Yeshua would do. And so many were made sinners and many were set right forever because of what Yeshua did. And because of what happened to Adam. Understand the reason it says many. Is because in God's economy. Those that will be saved have been saved. Because time has already taken place. I hope that didn't confuse everybody. So it's not that God chose people to be saved. And chose people to. That's what some who teach predestination believe, that there are those that just cannot be saved. The scripture says, for whosoever will, let him come. Not who God wills, but whosoever wills. It's it's up to mankind to choose God and to, to walk with him. But because time is where God is, is out of time, and we're in time, everybody who is going to be saved has been saved and is saved, even though we haven't got there yet. Likewise, everything before is that same way. So when God looks at us, when he looks at Rivka, he sees the finished product. And he speaks of her as that finished product, even though in her life she's not finished yet. So when God looks at her, he doesn't see a sinner, even though she might sin now, because he sees her as the finished product which is made clean from sin because of what Yeshua did. Does that make sense? That's why it says many and not all, because when God looks at like Adam, he sees one who sinned, but he also sees one who was set free from sin. And so when he looks at our lives, he doesn't see sinners. He sees redeemed people because he sees us as the finished product, even though we haven't got there yet. Did I lose anybody with all that? I know it sounds circular, but it really does make sense. Now, the Torah came in so that transgression might increase. But where sin increased, grace overflowed even more. Now, when we read that, sometimes we can read and say, "Okay, God gave the Torah so people would sin more. That's not what he's saying. It's so that we would understand what transgression was. If you don't know what sin is, you can't know you've done it. You know, there are lots of people who don't know that they're acting in sin because nobody told them differently. And I used the example last time when I was speaking on an earlier verse that when I first became a believer, I didn't know anything about tithing. Because in typical synagogue, you don't tithe, you give offerings and you pay dues. So they allot you your dues and that's what you pay, so it's not a matter of 10% of your income. It's just a matter of whatever they assign you and you get assessed dues. So when I became a believer, I went about six months waiting for somebody to tell me how much my dues were going to be to the congregation so that I could pay them. And nobody told me. So when I asked, they said, oh, no, we don't do that. You have to pay 10 percent of your income. So then I looked at that six months and I said, oh, no, how am I going to back pay 10 percent of my income for six months? I won't be able to eat. I won't be able to pay my bills. I won't be able to do anything. It's not that the sin didn't exist, it that my awareness of the sin became a reality. And so Torah came so that transgression might increase doesn't mean Torah came so that we could sin more. Or the people would sin more. Torah came so that we would understand sin. But where understanding of sin increases, grace overflowed even more. And so likewise, in my scenario, when I realized what happened, I went to the pastor and the pastor said, look, don't worry about it. Just start now. You didn't know any better. And someday you may make enough money where you can just give an offering and and do that. But just don't fret now. Don't let the enemy condemn you because you didn't know to do something. God's grace is more powerful than sin. And so... Where, grace, where sin increased grace even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also great might, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Messiah Yeshua. Sin brought death. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, God said, tend the garden. You can do anything you want, but don't eat from this tree. They ate from that tree. Whatever that fruit was, it doesn't really matter. We don't know. uh, But whatever it was, the result of that sin was that death entered the world. It didn't mean they would die instantly. It meant they would die. Before then, they would have lived forever. But because they ate whatever the fruit was in rebellion against God, death came into the world and death ruled our life. And unfortunately, death still rules our life in many ways. It shouldn't, as believers, we shouldn't be ruled by death. But how many people know people that are petrified of death? Think about how many people you're dealing with right now with this pandemic, with this COVID thing that people are like, oh, I can't touch anybody, I can't do anything, whatever, I might die. 99 point plus percent of people who get COVID survive. Now, there are those that, that die, and I'm not making light of this, please don't think that. I'm just saying that 99 plus percent live, but people are controlled by fear of death. And death still reigns in their lives even though it shouldn't because those of us that are believers in Yeshua know that death is gain. To die is to get where we're going. We're, you know, spend all your life trying to get somewhere and then get right to the border of it and go, no, 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 I don't want to go. Death still reigns too often in people's. So also grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Messiah Yeshua our Lord. Now, I want want you to listen to this because this is important because this is one of those verses that people typically interpret wrong. So also grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Messiah Yeshua. This is not attributing the righteousness to Yeshua. Might reign through righteousness eternal life through Yeshua eternal life is through yeshua righteousness is how we get to it now people will say but rabbi we our righteousness is filthy rags you're right he provided a way for us to be righteous but we have to access that way we have to believe we have to trust in him we have to walk in that direction we have to repent of our sins We have to be immersed in water. We have to be filled with the Spirit. There are things that we have to do that is rightness or righteousness, that we might do that and grace reigns through that so that we can have eternal life through Messiah Yeshua, our Lord, who gave us that eternal life, who lived, died, rose again, so that we might have that new birth experience and that availability. But the righteousness is our action, which is powered by His provision. In other words, He came so that we might all be made right, but we have to participate in that if only by our profession of faith and our belief in what He did. That's something we have to do. He's not going to believe for us. We have to repent of our sins. He's not going to do that for us. He provided the means he provided the power, the strength. He provided the encouragement. He provided the grace and the mercy. He provided all that for us, but we still have to do something so that we can participate. Romans 6.1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so grace may abound? That's a reminder to the verse in Romans 3 that said, uh, because of grace is Torah nullified. God forbid. Here it says, may it never be. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And again, these verses are, are problematic to much of the believing world because they teach that there's no responsibility to redemption or salvation that falls upon us, that it's all on Him. But this clearly says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And the Bible teaches us that sin is the transgression of the law, that sin is missing the mark, that it's failing to do what God expects. And he says, should we continue that grace might bound? In other words, should we get worse so that God's grace looks better? No. May it never be. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Again, people will teach you you cannot live above sin. I've heard preacher after preacher after preacher say, look, you're not going to be able to live abundant sin. Everybody's going to sin. That's not what the Scripture says. That's an easy escape from responsibility. But it's not what the Scripture says. It says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? How do we that are supposed to be dead to sin still live in sin? That doesn't mean that there isn't a failure it means there isn't a consistency of living in sin or do you not know that all of us who are immersed into messiah were immersed into his death and again this is a wonderful picture of the redemptive plan of god where we repent of our sins and then we're immersed into his death and the next verse says that we might rise in newness of life And this is very clearly telling us that if we've come to Messiah, the old nature should go away. Now, I'd like to say that that's happened perfectly in my life, but I'm working towards it. The scripture says that ministry is for the perfecting of the saints, or the maturing of the saints. What we do in these classes, what we do in study together, what we do in prayer, Is work towards that perfection. But we don't excuse our failures. We repent of them. We don't excuse our failures. We apologize to God for doing it. And those that we failed. We take responsibility for our actions. We don't just say the devil made me do it. We don't blame it on the sin nature. Because we're not supposed to have a sin nature. We're supposed to have a redeemed nature. goes on to say, Therefore we were buried together with Him through immersion into death in order that just as Messiah was raised from the dead by by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We were buried together with Him. I love this picture because the Scripture says that we become His body. You know, and, and, and I believe we do. Not only in the sense of a body of believers, like a number of believers joined together. But I believe we become part of Him. And the Scripture says, In this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I believe that the only one that has ever or will ever overcome this world is the Messiah. And the way we do it is becoming part And part of Him, we walk through with Him. We don't have the power to do it on our own, but we can participate in Him. So when we're buried together with Him into death, we're raised with Him in newness of life. It's part of what happened to Him, and we get to participate in that because we're His body. We're connected to Him. We don't do it on our own, we do it through Him. For if we become joined together, again... This is a connection. the, The wording says we become joined with him. In the likeness of death, certainly we will also be joined together in his resurrection. We're resurrected because he was. Not apart from him, but because of him. Knowing our old man was crucified with him so that the sinful body might be done away with. So we no longer serve sin. For he who has died is set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Messiah, we believe that we should also live with him. Now, let me say, if you don't believe, I'm not talking to people in this room, but if you don't believe that you can live above sin through the power of God, how do you believe that you can have your body changed from mortal to immortal? If you don't believe that He can give you the power to overcome your flesh here, how do you think He can change your flesh to an immortal being? How do you think all of this stuff is going to happen? If, if we don't believe that, we, that we're truly crucified with Him so that our sinful body can be done away with and we no longer serve sin. I... I I talk to people all the time and people say, well, you can't live above sin or you can't not sin. And I ask them, well, did you rob a bank today? No. Well, then how did you manage to live above that sin? Did you commit adultery today? No. Well, how did you manage to live above that sin? Well, did you do this today? No. Well, how did you? Did you honor your mother and father today? You know, how do you how do you manage to live above those sins? But then there's other sins you somehow can't live above. It's because we choose to be bound instead of being delivered. It's very clear to people that have been around here that I struggled with alcoholism when I was young. I drank all the time. But when I came to faith, God delivered me from alcoholism. I can have a glass of wine if I want, and sometimes I won't have one for months or a year it's not a control over me. I no longer serve that sin. It's the same way with many things in my life. I no longer serve that sin. Look in your life and see what sins are you serving. And if you're still serving sin, you need to get dominance over that sin through Yeshua. Who provided the power to do that. Not an excuse to continue. I know people that are addicted to drugs or addicted to pornography or addicted to different things. Addicted to lying. I had a friend who lied when he didn't have to. You know, he was just so addicted to telling lies that every time he spoke just about, he told lies and he'd be caught and then he'd lie a different lie to try to get out of being caught instead of just admitting he lied. When we were in the Navy together, uh, somebody asked, said, look, there's a pile of dirt here. Who swept this pile of dirt here? And he said, I didn't do it. Well, he was the one who did it. And the command, the, the, the uh, master chief said, okay, nobody's going on liberty. Until somebody admits to doing this. And so he lied again. Now, if he'd have just said, Oh, I forgot to do that and picked it up, it'd have been over with. No big deal. But it just kept going and going. And then he lied about it even more and even more and even more. And it ended up becoming this huge thing. He was addicted to lying, he struggled to ever tell the truth. Different people are servants to different sins. It's also important to note that we shouldn't judge people because they sin differently than us. In other words, we tend to do that. You know, we we tend to think that, uh, you know, speeding, which is violating the law, which is sin, is different than... um, Fornication, or homosexuality, or one of the other things that we put up, or drug abuse, or prostitution, or, so we have this meter of different, well, at least I'm not that. I may do this, but at least I'm not that. In God's eyes, anything that controls you is that sin is equal because the punishment is the same. There's a curse. For violating God's commands. For he who died is set free from sin. If we have died in Messiah, we should be set free from sin. If we're not set free from sin, it's one of two things either we haven't really died, or we don't believe that he's given us the freedom. Which means we're listening to the adversary's lies against us, who convinces us we haven't had what we've had. Now, if we died with Messiah, we believe that we should also live with him. And that's what I'm saying. If, if you can't believe for restoration of who you are in him, how are you going to believe for a regeneration that's a much bigger miracle? It just doesn't make sense. We know that Messiah, having been raised from the dead, no longer dies. Death is no longer master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. That's for all of us. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So also continually count yourselves both dead to sin and alive to God in Messiah Yeshua. And that's really important that we do this. You know, um, many of us uh, remove something, but don't replace it. In other words, you can die to sin, but if you don't put in its place new life, you don't have what you're supposed to have. And so we need to understand that we continually count ourselves Dead to sin, but it's not enough to be dead. You have to have life. And sometimes it takes more faith to trust God for your new life than it does to believe in His deliverance. In other words, there's lots of people who no longer commit the sins that they used to commit because they trust that God delivered them from those sins but they walk far below the blessings and promises of God because they don't trust Him for the new life. They trust Him just for the death. Therefore, do not let sin rule in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Again, there are a lot of teachers who teach this isn't so. That you can't live this way. But it says clearly, therefore, do not let sin rule in your mortal body. They'll spiritualize it. They'll say, well, you, you, your body will sin, but your spirit can't sin. Your, soul, your soul's been given new life, but your body is still flesh. This says, do not let sin rule your mortal body. So that you obey its desires and do not keep yielding your body parts to sin, As tools of wickedness, but yield yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your body parts as tools of righteousness to God. One of the things that we fail to do in this new life is actually share the good news with other people and share our testimony with other people of how how God has changed us, delivered us, preserved us, protected us, provided for us. Largely because we don't see ourselves as valuable because we still see ourselves as the pre-dead person. We see ourselves as the old person so we can't accept the new person. If we can't accept the new person, we can't share that new person with someone else because we think we're still the old person. And because we think we're still the old person, we fall into the sins of the old person because we've been convinced that we can't overcome. When that's not at all true. God has given each of us that are born anew the power to be witnesses the power to overcome I know that when I say that or when someone else says that says that immediately the people listening go now I feel like a failure because I haven't done this yet or I haven't got there yet or I still sin or I'm still struggling with this or I'm struggling with that and there are people that I know that have tried to give up smoking for years and people that have tried to give up alcohol for years and people that have tried to give up pornography or or drugs or other things for years and they're they're why can't I overcome this why can't I overcome this why can't I overcome this and largely I think the reason is because we're trying to do it on our own without accepting what he did for us. We're trying to become righteous so that he can make us righteous instead of letting him make us righteous and owning that righteousness and then walking in that righteousness. It's the same way, I don't know how many times, um, I'll see somebody who needs help. And let's say somebody's car's broken down and and they just don't have the money to to get it fixed and i'll say hey you know um why don't you borrow my truck or why don't you let us get some money together to help you no 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 i'll do it on my own and so then the rest of their life falls apart because they don't have the car so they can't go to work they can't go to work they can't pay the rent they can't pay the rent they lose the house you know it just cascades Because they're trying to do something on their own that it's not possible for them to do on their own in the current situation. Because they don't want to depend on somebody else because then they feel obligated or responsible. Here's the thing. God's entire word was written so that he would take the responsibility for us. We just need to allow him to do it. God put you in a community so that we would be responsible with you and for you. So that we would look after you and you would look after us. So that we would work together. So we would bear one another's burdens. I love the Bible because in the bear your own burden. And it says bear one another's burden. Because we're supposed to bear one another's burden, but you're supposed to help. <laughs> and sometimes the only way... Help you can be to your situation is reaching out to someone, humbling yourself and saying, I can't do this on my own. I need help, which is what turning to God is all about. It's what accepting Yeshua's sacrifice is all about. I can't save myself, so I'm reaching out to you to do that. But in understanding what you've done, I'm going to participate by repenting and by Choosing to walk in righteousness through the power that you give me. It's like Popeye's spinach. You know, Popeye couldn't, was weak unless he ate his spinach. But Popeye had the desire to do things. And the spinach gave him the ability to do what he desired to do. And so he was able to do it. The power of God is like our spinach, to put it in a simple way. We have to want to save olive oil. We have to want to beat Brutus. We have to want to do all those things. And God will give us the supernatural power to be stronger than we are so that we can overcome that which we couldn't defeat on our own. But we have to want to do it. We participate and he gives us the power and the strength sometimes the the only thing we have to do to participate is simply to ask and realize that we can't do it on our own for sin shall not be master over you for you are not under law but under grace what then shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace may it never be these verses are some of the most problematic for people to deal with because one says you're not under the law but under grace. And the other says, should we sin because we're not under the law? Again, this is understanding this word master. Sin isn't our master because we're not under law, but under grace. But that doesn't mean we can sin. Uh, It just means that we're not mastered by it. The law showed us what it was. But because of grace, We can walk above it we're not under the law we're above the law but the law doesn't go away the location of it does does that make sense that's a simple way to say it we we were under the law it was between us and god then god moved us and now we're connected to god and the law is what we walk on in hebrew we say halakha the way to walk it puts the law back in its proper place it's the path we follow it's not between us and god god and us connected the law becomes how we walk so sin is not the master of us because we're not under the law we're under grace what then shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace may it never be it's not permission to sin because we're not under the law We still abide by the law. We still walk in the paths of the law. We still know how to walk for God and in God and with God. It's just that it's not between us and God. That's what the sacrificial system was. It was the law between us and God. That's what the Levitical priest, it was intermediary. It was between us and God. God changed that so we could boldly enter the holy place without having that intermediary, but it doesn't change how we walk. Do you not know that whatever you yield yourselves as slaves for obedience, you're slaves to what you obey, whether to sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. We do not have a choice about whether we're going to be servants or not. We only have a choice of who we're going to serve or how we're going to serve. We're either going to serve in disobedience resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. But we're going to serve. And the truth is, our life is uh, like walking up a down escalator. If you're not walking up, you're going backwards. You don't have to make the decision to go down. You don't have to make the decision whether you're going to sin. We're already doing that. We're born into that. We have to make a decision to walk the other way. We're already servants of sin. We have to make a choice to be servants of righteousness. So if you haven't chosen to serve Yeshua, the decision was already made for you, by you, by not doing so. But you're gonna serve what was uh i can't remember who what his name the singer you got to serve somebody it might be the devil or it might be the lord but you're gonna serve somebody and that's that's really true you're either serving one or the other there is no place you can stand that's not this hmm? bob dylan yes a nice jewish guy nice messianic jew bob dylan Uh, Robert trying to think what his last real last name was but it wasn't dylan i'll think of it in a minute um or jonathan will look it up on google okay but thanks be to god that through you though you were slaves to sin you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching under which you were placed again please note Our responsibility. We were slaves of sin, but we wholeheartedly obeyed. There is a responsibility to obey on us. It's not an automatic thing that we have no responsibility, that we don't have to make the choice, that we don't have to do. We have to choose, and we have to choose wholeheartedly. Not half-heartedly or part-heartedly. We have to choose wholeheartedly. To obey the form of teaching which you were placed. We have to obey teaching. Yes, Bob Zimmerman. I, I knew I was going to remember it. I have no idea, but it's Robert Zimmerman. And I and I knew that before you said it as soon as I heard the alarm going off on the car going by the, the building. Alan? Okay. Obedience... And again, form of teaching, you have to wholeheartedly obey the form of teaching. That's why it says, how can they hear unless someone's sent? How can they? It's something we have to participate in teaching others so that they can obey the gospel. What did you do? Somebody text something on there? Okay. I love Rebitson. Pray for Rebitson. she's got a pain in her lower back. We'll just leave it at that. (laughs) But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching. We have to obey the teaching under which we were placed. And after you were set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you yielded your body parts as slaves to uncleanliness and lawlessness leading to more lawlessness so now yield your body parts as slaves to righteousness resulted in holiness i want you to understand in judaism there's uncleanliness and there's sin and we have to know the difference between the two but walking in continual uncleanliness can lead to lawlessness Okay, And that's important to note that not, for instance, when a woman has a baby, she is unclean, but she's not sinful. Having a baby is not a sin. You can have sickness. Having sickness doesn't mean you're sinful. It means you're unclean. So there's a difference between uncleanliness and lawlessness. But if you don't follow what you need to do in your uncleanliness, it will ultimately lead to lawlessness, which will lead to more lawlessness. If you open the door to one sin, you will eventually open the door to more. But if you yield yourself to righteousness, it will result in holiness. Now, we tend to think of the word today, holiness, in the terms of actions or dress, or, you know, there's a holiness church where everybody wears dresses down to the floor and sleeves down to their fingertips and necks up to their, you know lines up to their chin and and we say that's holiness well holiness has dressing modestly is a response to holiness but holiness is separation it's being different uh one way to call it not somebody uh said it on oh it was uh rabbi rosenberg said it's otherness there's the norm and then there's the other And holiness is being other than what the world is in whatever way that is. And its results, righteousness results in holiness. For when you were slaves to sin, you are free with regard to righteousness. In other words, if you're serving sin, you're not in bondage to righteousness. You're free to sin. There's lots of people that come up to me and they talk to me and say, you know, Rabbi, when, when I was, you know, before I came to faith, I did this. Oh, are you, what, you're kidding. You were a sinner before you got saved? You know, it shouldn't be shocking. So then what outcome did you have that you're now ashamed of for the end of those things is death? And again, it's saying, why? don't be tied up to those things. What, what outcome now of, you're now a believer. What is it that you're ashamed of? Those things ended in death. And again, part of what this is talking about is setting aside the guilt and shame of our former selves because it died. It doesn't exist anymore. Which is one of the best things about our faith is the newness of God's promise. But now having been set free from sin and having become enslaved to God you have your fruit resulting in holiness, and the outcome is eternal life. The outcome of being other than worldly is eternal life. For sin's payment is death, but God's gracious gift is eternal life in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. Yes, sir? Thank you. Sin's payment, the debt owed is death, but God's gracious gift is eternal life in Messiah. One of the uh, the verses that's most used against people keeping the Torah is when it says the, uh, the uh, document that was nailed to the cross, the, the sin that was nailed to the cross, the part that was owed. The, uh, and, and they say the law was nailed to the cross. The na- law wasn't nailed to the cross. The payment was nailed to the cross. Uh, he paid our payment for us. It's kind of like if I give you a summons or a ticket, if you're speeding and I give you a ticket and somebody comes along and says, I'll pay that. It doesn't do away with the speed limit. It's not like once you pay a ticket, now you can speed for the rest of your life. It'd be nice. Rivka's like, oh yeah! So, you know, that's not how it works. You don't say, well, I paid my ticket, now I can speed. That's not how it works. The law is still there. The penalty for the law has been taken care of. And that's the payment. Sin's payment is death. Yeshua died so that we wouldn't have to to pay our debt. And because He did, He gave us the gracious gift of eternal life in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. And we're going to close there for tonight. If this has been a blessing to you and you're watching online, share it on Facebook with your friends. Uh, We're going to continue next week with chapter 7. And uh, hopefully we'll see everybody here on Shabbat. Thank you, Rivka. You can turn the camera off now.